My name is Jonas Acevedo, and I'm the host of the Infinite Journey ATX. This podcast is going to be about different lessons in fitness, different nuggets um, that you can hopefully take and add to your routine or your regimen and help to add value to those people looking to level up their fitness. Um, This is going to be a short podcast. These episodes are 7 to 14 minutes. The goal is to just condense the knowledge that I have over the last seven years of training and get this out to a broader audience than just the clients in our gym. If you're looking to find more about us, uh, visit us at infinitefitnessaustin.com. Feel free to uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. You can find a link to talk to a trainer on that website as well. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Infinite Journey. So I have today Carly Pollock with us on the show. Um, she is the founder and owner of Nutritional Wisdom, who I work with personally. I started working with as a um, for my nutrition just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and it's actually made a huge change. And I've never worked with a nutrition company before, so she was referred to me by Chris, who has also been on the podcast um, one of my clients that I train personally, the owner of Rogue Running. So she also coaches him. And that's how I got co- hooked up with her. Carly also is a speaker and writer, has spoke, has done spoken at various companies and even has a best-selling book on Amazon. So really, really awesome company, really great philosophy. I think bringing this to the podcast and to our clients um, in our private members course is going to be really awesome really aligns with what we do. And so, yeah, welcome. And I'm really great to have you. Thank you. So one of the things I wanted to talk to Carly about is that um, there's a whole lot of things in the beginning of training that nutrition and training ideally play hand in hand role. So us not being the experts in nutrition, um, really try to stay in our lane, really just prioritize protein, prioritize water, kind of low hanging fruit. But I wanted to bring her on and talk about what are the biggest mistakes in nutrition when you're starting a exercise program. So what's the one of the big, what is the first biggest thing that you see mistake wise when people are starting an exercise program? One of the biggest mistakes is, you know, there's so much diet uh, dogma out there at this point. And you've got all these experts pushing really opposite type protocols. I mean, you've got the keto um, paleo type movement, you have the vegan low fat cardiologist sort of heart health thing. And I think that people are really thoroughly confused as to what to do for their health, whether they want to burn fat, live a long time, balance blood sugar, balance hormones, sleep better, feel less anxious, whatever the goals may be. And so I think that, you know, the biggest mistake someone could make is believing in a one size fits all approach. And the reason why there is so many experts, why there are so many experts out there touting that this diet is right for you is because their diet is right for someone. It might be you, but it also might not be. And that's what I think is overwhelming when you read the studies or the testimonials. You know, if you're in pain and I, that's anything around like emotional pain because you have poor body image or physical pain because there is extra weight, you know, every pound on your body is three pounds of pressure on the joints. So if someone's holding on to even 10 extra pounds of, of 
weight, that's 30 pounds of pressure every time they take a step. And most of us have more than 10 pounds that we could lose. So you're in some sort of pain and you're reading all these testimonials and you're seeing all of these before and afters. And it's really convincing that you should jump into that. And I think the biggest mistake is when somebody tries something that worked for their best friend or even worked for them 20 years ago, and they're starting to get the feedback from the body that this just isn't the thing that they push harder and feel like, oh, I need to put more discipline into this versus really listening to the body and backing off and realizing that that diet may not be medicine for the stage of their body right at this moment. And that's such a big piece of what we teach people. Yes, we're nutrition, we're nutritionists and, you know, we're up to date on all of the functional medicine and all the science. But I find that more important than that type of education is that we really teach people how to be their own nutritionist, how to listen to their body. The messed up thing about the body's communication system is that it doesn't speak English. It doesn't, it's, it's symptoms or lack thereof. You know, do you eat a meal and have a craving for sweets directly after? Does that meal last with sustained energy for four hours or do you feel yourself bonking? Do you eat that meal and feel completely bloated and you're burping and you're constipated? Do you, um, you know, eat a meal and start to feel jittery? These are all the body's communications. Hey, this was right. Or, Hey, something needs tweaking. It's just, I don't know about you, but I never learned that type of information. I I remember I had this boyfriend, I was in my twenties and he turned to me one day and I'm growing up as like this Jewish East coast girl eating gluten and dairy at every meal, like bagels, like cereal and milk for breakfast, bagels with cream cheese, sandwiches, with, you know, we lived in Staten Island. So pizza and Italian food. And one day my boyfriend turns to me, he goes, you know, every time you eat a meal after you complain that your stomach hurts. And I was like, holy crap. He's right. Like I just started living with these symptoms for so long that I just, almost turned a blind eye and was in pretty much denial about how food was making me feel because I was addicted to the very foods that uh, were, you know, a poison to my body because we release endorphins when our cortisol increases almost a way to calm the nervous system while it's fighting inflammation. So we are very much addicted to the foods that are causing inflammation in our body, which can make it really difficult to get a clear message about what we need because it's like the body saying one thing, but the mind's like, no, you want this. This is delicious. This is going to make you feel really good. This is going to give you that dopamine hit. And you're like, wait, which is it? <laughs> <laughs> that was like such a huge takeaway. So I just got through with this jump start through nutritional wisdom. And I've never been one of like listening to your body's communication. As a matter of fact, I'm like the opposite where I have a background in endurance sports where it's like, you don't listen to your body. Like you, you sh like your body is telling you to stop or whatnot. And, and I didn't really have that mindset and I'm still, you know, I still understand the value in that, but when it comes to nutrition, it's not about listening to, and it's not about what I've learned is my biggest takeaway from working with y'all is it's not about like, Oh, I, I feel like it's not about catering to my feelings, but catering to what's best for my performance. Like 
because I'm very, I want something that I, I really want to stay focused in the day. I like fasting. I like eating a lot of meat. And so many times people come to the gym and they're like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of keto. And it's like, oh really? And then when they explain it, they're like, oh, actually you just keep, you just done this yo-yo diet for so ever long. And it's like, it seems like it doesn't work for you, but somehow in your head, you got that, like all carbs are bad or, or, and this is just an example. It happens with all different diet philosophies that people get in their head. And it's like, what I've learned over the last month is like, oh, you know what, when I eat that, I don't feel my best. And it's like, what I've learned, I mean, it's crazy. It's a super huge takeaway for somebody who's been doing this for a while. It's like, okay, if you want to feel that, if you're okay with feeling that way, then sure, you can have a little bit of that pancake or whatever. But if you eat two pancakes, you're not going to do anything else on that day or something yeah, like that. We want it to be an informed decision. So much of people's decision-making around food is a knee-jerk reaction to emotional eating, wanting the distraction, wanting the comfort, wanting that dopamine hit from the sugar, from the grains, whatever it is. And I don't want you not to eat those foods. I don't want you to feel like in order to be healthy, you need to restrict yourself and be on some crazy diet. What I want is for you to make an informed decision because my nightmare is to make a decision about food and then wake up the next morning and go, oh, I really wish that I didn't eat that thing at 9 p.m. or make a decision to go to that restaurant or eat healthy the whole day and then sabotage myself right at six because I didn't eat enough during the day because I was trying to, you know, be skinny or whatever that story is, uh, or trying to get away from carbohydrates. But again, like you said, like you may need a little bit, like shouldn't be scared of carbohydrates and, and to regret that decision, that feels like an uninformed, unconscious decision. And because so much of what we do, I will, I will, um, what's the word I will like, I will toot my own horn just for a moment and say that the uniqueness of what we do is that we really bridge the mental, emotional, spiritual aspect of healing your relationship to food and, and how we see the world, how we manage stress, because all of these things are directly related to the food decisions we make. And when I first started this business, I, you know, I had the master's degrees and I was a functional medicine practitioner and I did all of the certifications and, and I started coaching people. And I realized that just because you know better doesn't mean you do better. And education without the mental, emotional tools really is just setting people up to fail and feel bad about themselves. And so there was a point in my practice where I was telling people to do something like you just did the 10 day cleanse that we put people on. And sometimes the cleanse is different for everyone. Like we might put somebody on something totally different than what you experienced, but they come back, they feel great. And then inevitably what would happen is they would just start old default behaviors again. And that's when I took a step back and said, if I really want to make a change, in people's lives. I really want permanent change for them, not just while they're seeing me, they have the accountability, so they're doing so well. And then I see them two years later and you know, it, it all hell's broken loose, but yeah. really helping them make permanent change. I have to start to study the mind and I have to become a, you know, a doctor of psychology mm -hmm. and what allows somebody to interrupt and rewrite that default patterning that we have around food. And in order to do that, we have to bring in this self-development 
aspect or or spiritual aspect to looking at why we behave the way we do. And so what you just said about that real balance as an athlete, and I feel that too, you know, in my exercise, the second my body tells me to stop doing something, that's when I make sure my form is even more correct. That's when I push harder. Like I was always taught, like do that last 5%. When the body's saying stop, that's when you're like, no, when I say go, we go, you know, and how thin that line is to where if somebody's not clear, they then get injured. Mm-hmm. And I see that parallel in the spiritual world too. Like how many times have I questioned, was that fear or was that my intuition? Mm-hmm. What's that message? Is that is that, oh, I should listen to my intuition or is that my mind pretending to be my higher self? And so all of these questions, like the questions you might get from a client, how do I know when to push it and when to to pull back so that I keep myself safe? And how do I know when I'm craving a food like craving meat, oh, you might need more iron. But what about when you're craving something that's not in your best interest? And how do you separate that? And I think that's such a key takeaway that people just don't understand when they're taught count calories, count your macros. Okay, you need to get this many grams of this, this, this. And it's just like, Mm. you're missing such a big piece of the relationship with food that really makes the change you're looking for permanent. Yeah. And you know, it's like what I boiled it down to, I really like existential uh, philosophy and things like that. And it's like, it really empowers me to be responsible for what I put in my body, you know, and being just aware of like, okay, if I'm going to eat this, I know what's going to happen. But versus like, not being aware of the decisions I'm making lead me to XYZ. And I think that's like, you know, I think where I'm at in my physical health is based on the decisions that I make. And are there external factors? Oh, for sure. And, you know, stressors, but the only thing I can control is my decisions. But until I connect those two things, like how I feel, and I have the ability to make a decision, and I even have ability to eat like pancakes. That's what I was just talking about with Melissa. Like, ah, oh, sometimes I'll go out to, to this cafe and I'll get like a pancake. And but when I eat at the, I ate last week at a Brazilian steakhouse and I just ate beef and I didn't even eat the rest of the day. And I'm like, I felt fine, but it's like, listen, I have the best pancake recipe for you. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, we love of. pancakes in this house. And that's really? like piece of it is, um, I mean, we could talk about this and just this for the, it, it, you know, for our entire conversation, there's yeah. so much depth here, but um, two very important things. One, when you are craving certain foods, sugars, carbs, and then you find yourself feeling shame around it or like, oh, I just don't have enough discipline. I will say from a functional standpoint, there could be something going on in your gut. If these infections, candida, parasites, bacteria, they feed on sugar. The little microbes in our gut microbiome, they actually can cause these cravings. If your hormones are out of balance, if your cortisol is is out of whack, these things can dictate your cravings. And so, yes, I want this to be around discipline and and, and mental fortitude and really like making conscious choices, but also recognizing when it feels like something's bigger than you. Yeah. When it comes to food, like you have all these great intentions and you're like, oh my goodness. And then it's like bigger than me, almost like food addiction. There really could be something scientific and physiological at play. And that's why I love 
bridging the science of what we do. And, you know, we run gut panels, hormone panels, mm. and heavy metal panels, environmental toxicity panels, like to really look at the inside of the body and say, how do we get this body back into homeostasis? Because an ideal homeostasis is that we only crave the foods that are good for us. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mind work piece of this too. Yeah. One of the things I was just talking to my coaches about in a meeting is that the 80, 20 rule applies to coaching and it applies to what you do as well in that it's for us, it's 80% people knowledge, 20% technical knowledge. Like I can teach you the technical knowledge. It's in a few books, maybe a handful of books to be proficient to coach in our in our program. But the people knowledge is something that's so much deeper, but like, that's what being a coach is impacting people, getting them, you know, it's, it's, ch- it's challenging from your end. Cause you're, you know, we, we work with them an hour out of the day, maybe three or four hours out of the week. But when it comes to their nutrition, it's something that I do every day. And I'm thinking about half of the day, you know? So, totally. yeah, it's, it's, you know, your plate is a reflection of your inner state. I really, I know I'm biased, but I feel like our behaviors with food, if we're willing to see the wisdom that's there, there's no end to what you can learn about yourself when you start to take a hard look at your what you say to yourself when you look in the mirror, the food that winds up on your plate, the way in which you eat, your relationship to food. I mean, there's so much there that teaches you things that has nothing to do with food and yeah. everything to do with identity and belief and who you are and who you want to be. And so you know, I, I could geek out about this and we could go down a rabbit hole, but it, it's so important to work with someone when you feel lost, because if you're just following the diet advice of a magazine or an article or a biohacker that you follow and you love, if you happen to find the right thing for you, then that's fantastic. But if you're mm-hmm. struggling and you just feel like what's wrong with me, that this isn't, I'm not the next testimonial, then, you know, reach out because everybody has a unique bio individuality and um, one size approach just doesn't fit all. Yeah. So rule one, learn your body's communication and not all understand that not all programs are best for everybody. Um, I think one of the next things we talked about for number two is um, about protein. So Um, Like you said, we probably might, this might be a two-part podcast, but what about the next mistake when it comes to protein that we, that we've mentioned? Now, you know, there's always an exception to the rule. So I don't like to speak in generalities, but with the tens of thousands of clients that I've seen over the past 13 years that I've been in business, I feel that people completely underestimate how much protein they need, especially when they're lifting weights and they're trying to gain strength and build mass. And even for women who aren't necessarily looking to build mass, and most of us don't have the testosterone to support that anyway, but um, just to balance our hormones, to feel satiated so we don't wind up sabotaging ourselves at 9 30 p.m which is when most of everybody's unhealthy eating happens notice it doesn't happen at 9 30 a.m when you have the willpower of an ox and you've had your cup of coffee and you're planning that intermittent fast for the day you know it, it happens at night when we're when we're um the amount of things that we've done have accumulated. And part of that is not eating enough protein. You know, the RDA for protein, and again, 
here we are with a one size fits all. You've got this RDA for protein, which is, oh, you know, take your body weight in, in kilograms and multiply it by 0.8. First of all, are you a man? Are you a woman? How old are you? How tall are you? What are your goals? What is your gut health like? Can you can you manage that much protein at a time where perhaps you need to heal your gut before you're putting that amount of protein in? Mm -hmm. Do you sit for eight hours a day in front of a computer? Do you work out in a farm? I mean, like, hello, what no one answers these questions. So we are speaking in extreme generalities. I just want to preface that, but I think people would feel much better if they pretty much almost doubled that recommendation. And instead of 0.8 grams, we're closer to the two grams per kilogram. I give a big window and I don't have people count macros because uh, there's, there's so many um, ways in which that keeps you from harnessing that intuitive communication with your body like oh i'm not hungry but i got to get my macros in so i'm going to shove it in or or um i am hungry but i hit my calories for the day so i'm going to sit here it's like you don't know there's so many biochemical processes going on in the body that may require more or less on a given day especially with women and hormone um our natural hormone cycle but generally if you take that math and you go, okay, anywhere from one to two grams per kilogram. And, you know, the average 160 pound woman needing something, let's just say a big range of hundred to 140 grams of protein. If, if you even have one meal, that's purely veg or you're intermittent fasting, which I am a proponent of for most people, you're not getting anywhere near that. And people believe that intermittent fasting is cutting calories. It's not, it's cutting the window of time with which you're eating. Mm -hmm. And if you're not packing it in during your, you know, your, your feed window, which sounds like we're horses, but <laughs> during the window in which you're eating, uh, you're really most likely not going to see the muscle repair and growth that you're looking for in the program that they're signing up with for you, with you. Yeah. And the, the thing I like about y'all, I think we really align. I like to work with other companies that align with what we do. Um, and so it's very individualized and I make this podcast and I speak in generalities and a kind of about key principles, but, but it is depending on the individual. And another, it kind of reminds me what you were talking about. It kind of reminds me of like, what is it they still use? Like BMI, they still use your BMI index, which even when I'm lean, it tells me I'm excessively obese just because I hold a lot of weight and, you know, I'm about six foot. So it's like, it doesn't really have any context, but you know, so that's a, a generalization, but I, I agree. I don't meet almost anybody that's eating enough protein when they start. I just happen to like, my favorite food is like, is really just steak. So I usually probably get in close to enough, but I still have to supplement that in um and you know one do you ever hear that do you do you still hear that thing i'll hear it every now and again where people will be like protein like oh like bad, is that bad for your kidneys drink eating that enough that much protein do you still hear that ever i do and you know i'm always impressed when somebody says that not because i agree with it but because they're understanding that the kidneys are integral in the protein <laughs> synthesis process and how, you know, they, they process protein and then excrete the excess, the excess nitrogen as uric acid. And, and I love that people even know that, but it, 
you know, you'd be looking at somewhere in the range of three to four grams per kilogram. That's like a 160 pound woman eating 200 grams per, like no way. so much protein. Like I have to push myself to get around a hundred grams a day. I just know that no one is getting even close to the place where you're going to start to challenge your kidneys abilities, unless you are one of those bodybuilders in the gym, drinking protein shakes all day with 50, 60 grams of protein. It's just so, um, you know, I like that the concern, (laughs) but absolutely (laughs) don't feel that um, we're putting the kidneys at risk. You know, we do so much work around the body's detoxification and drainage channels, kidneys, Mm -hmm. liver, lymph, uh, liver, gallbladder, colon, skin. So that's something that we're really mindful of, you know, living in this toxic environment and wanting to make sure that the things that you're doing to be healthy are not then causing a consequence in other areas. So, um, you know, I want people to, to love on all of their organs too, but eating too much protein is probably not (laughs) where they're going to hurt themselves. It's kind of like, like what you said, like women, it's kind of like when women are like, Oh yeah, if I lift too much, I'm going to get like too big. And it's like, ah, you're physiologically, even if you really tried really hard and dedicated like five years, you probably still wouldn't be physiologically probably still wouldn't be that big <laughs> you right, don't have that ability right. you know i i honestly feel like women um hurt themselves by not lifting weights and lifting some heavy weights and doing that kind of 1980s like let's just do cardio and there's just so much new information from the 80s idea of like if you want to burn fat do cardio and if you want to get big lift weights and i am actually the leanest when i'm lifting more than i am doing anything else but you know, yeah. that's forte. <laughs> well, that's another thing I love about y'all being up with the, you know, updated with the science. Um, I mean, I took some teachers at Texas Tech. I took I took some teachers in college that were like giving some misinformation about nutrition. And back then, I was really into the science. Now I'm, I really like the business aspect of it. But yeah, sometimes you still meet people who maybe not all the way up to date with that type of thing. So. Let's do one more. So what is the last thing that you see? I think outworking a bad diet is going to be, um, yeah. Yeah. A, a uh, I would say that quickly. And then I'll say one of the most important things, and this is really a pearl of wisdom for those who were, um, who were strong enough to stay with us till the very end of the podcast, they get this <laughs> gift of wisdom is yes. I, I don't think, um, real quick. I, I think that people, when they start exercising, think that they can reward themselves with food or they can kind of out exercise a bad diet. And we want to switch that story to, if you're exercising to change the body, then we would want the nutrition even more dialed in. Not I worked out today so I can eat this. You don't want to neutralize your efforts. You want to exponentially move them forward. And that's a really old story that I I've gotten stuck in too. Like, Oh, I worked out so hard today. So I'm going to go eat that pizza. And it's like, no, let's actually think the opposite way. But one of the things that I w- want to mention that is so, so important and, and not really talked about is eating the wrong type of fat can be as harmful for you as eating sugar. You know, we all pretty much agree at this point that smoking cigarettes is bad for you and eating sugar is not good for anybody. But not a lot of us have gotten on the correct bandwagon about these types of fats. They're these industrialized seed oils, also known as omega-6, also known as polyunsaturated fatty acids, or we call them PUFAs, 
for short. They are unstable in heat, so they start to smoke when you use them. These are oils like canola oil, sunflower, safflower oil, grapeseed oil. We call them industrialized seed oils. And I know that a lot of us already know canola oil is not good for us, but what has replaced that in our food system are the sunflower and safflower seed oils. They're in every gluten-free snack, even by trusted brands. Oh, they're wow. in they're at every single restaurant you go to. That restaurant is using a canola, soybean, sunflower, safflower oil. And these oils have a mechanism in the body in which they spike such inflammation and they do as much metabolic damage as sugar. And if you go into your pantry right now and pull out any cracker sauce, I mean, truly, you will be so depressed and angry to see how many brands that they sell at Whole Foods that have this oil. I have to jump through hoops to find the right type of oils. These are avocado oil, which is why I love the brand Primal Kitchen so much. Every single one of their products is olive oil based. I'm sorry, um, avocado oil based, everything from mayo to dressings. So you've got your avocado oil, your extra virgin olive oil, your ghee or grass-fed butter, coconut oil. These are the oils that, these four oils are primarily the oils that I use to cook with for my family. And you will be very hard pressed to find a restaurant that is not using seed oils. We actually have a list we send to clients. There's probably four places in Austin, which should tell you something because Austin's one of the healthiest cities. Mm -hmm. So I just want to stress that if you know, you go into your pantry right now, or you're cooking with any of the grapeseed, safflower, sunflower, canola oil. Um, I think I might be missing one or two, but that you replace that with high quality avocado, olive, ghee, and coconut oil. You will do wonders for your health in just making that switch. Nice. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of coconut oil. I I make a lot of steak. So, um, I usually, I've used coconut oil for such a long time. I mean, coconut milk as well. Um, and almond milk are huge fans of, but yeah, I think that's, like you said, something that's probably, it's obviously not too well known because again, there's only four places in Austin and it's kind of not something so common. So that's awesome. Um, I will link the nutritional wisdom website. We'll have all of that in the show notes. Um, and so you'll be able to find, um, all of Carly's information. And so, um, her book, things like that. Um, and then last off, you have a special offer for our clients that are going through the nutrition course, which this is not into the podcast portion, but yes. So I wanted to offer $50 savings for anybody going through your program that also wants to go through our wellness starter program and get customized lab testing recommendations, supplement recommendations, food guidelines, book recommendations, all of the things that we went over today, a real solid education on what's out there, helping someone find the right diet and protocol for them and looking at the body symptoms and helping you learn the communication of your body so that you can be empowered in your own health. So just a little gift for everybody and a little nudge to get started. Yeah. And again, something I've gone through, highly recommend, um, gone through it myself, still continuing with the nutrition coaching. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, if anybody has any questions, I'll link those 
um, also your Instagram as well. Um, and I highly suggest y'all reach out. So thanks, Jonas. Thanks for listening to this episode of Infinite Journeys. If you have any questions about your training or fitness at all, anything that we talked about, feel free to shoot me an email at jonas at infinitefitnessaustin.com and I'll personally reply. Um, If you're looking for more about us or our facility, you can find more at www.infinitefitnessaustin.com.